Hello and welcome to the Sorbonne NASA podcast with me, your host, Alan McGuire. This podcast episode isn't about feminism, as I promised in the last uh, episode. This one is going to be about startups. So I took the initiative um, to contact my, my guest on the news that Spain was going to deliver £11 billion to small, medium-sized companies and self-employed uh, people in the tourism sector. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy recently about self-employed people in Spain. Um, one of the, it's not the new government, but when this government came into force, it was one thing that Podemos and the Pasoe agreed on was trying to um, give self-employed companies a chance and, you know, try and build an entrepreneurial nation. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, my guest is Joe Haslam. He is the executive director of the Owners Scale-Up program at IE Business School, uh, which is based here in Madrid. Um, and he's and unlike other academics that normally spend their time writing books, Joe uh, tends to run companies and manage them as well. Uh, so welcome to Sobre Mesa, Joe. Great to be here, Alan. Good morning morning so joe uh, i mean we've been talking briefly just before we started recording about this um this money for small medium-sized companies i mean we don't really know a lot uh with regards to to this um but pedro sanchez did say in congress uh we do not just want to save businesses but to strengthen them as well um so yeah, business business leaders, unions um, have not they they thought that the, um, the the help given to businesses so far, uh, mainly tax breaks, state granted loans, um, was not enough. They wanted more direct aid, and they asked for twelve point five billion. And the PP came on in and said, "No, we want you to give them fifty billion." Um, it's not really so they they've come across now and said right we're going to give 11 billion to um to mainly to the tourism sector uh, but they've been specific about medium sized and self employed companies or small and uh, self employed companies um what's your what's your take on this Sure. I mean, there's a whole lot to say here. I mean, right beginning from discussing Spain's economy and where the money comes from and who generates the wealth and, and all of that kind of thing. I mean, I guess the, the, the big debate right now is that, sure, there is money coming from um, from Europe. And uh, the question is, where should it go? Mm. And how you support companies, I mean, there's various ways in which you can support companies. And one is that, like, you would give them loans, which, of course, need to be paid back. The other thing you could do is have some sort of equity scheme whereby they would give up some of the ownership of their company. That would be kind of an investment. And the other thing is the sort of, like, the free money or the helicopter money kind of situation, which... Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when people used to see that as being wrong for almost moral reasons. But, uh, you know, in, in recent years, uh, 
you know, it's become even, it's very hard to find economists now that are totally opposed to it. You know, the debate mm-hmm. seems to be, it hasn't been tried. So that's kind of the, the, the question as to uh, where we would go. Now, the thing I would always say is that what companies need most are, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm in class now, I always begin by saying, you know, <laughs> what customers need, well, what, what companies need most are, the answer, of course, is customers, right? So uh, this is the biggest thing, which is to say that it doesn't matter how good your company is if nobody has any money to buy your products, right? Mm. So this is kind of, you know, what governments should do. And this this goes back to Keynes, which, of course, you know, I went to, I guess I my, my economics uh, thing was in the time of Thatcher and monetarism and, you know, all of that Hayek and that kind of thing. But, you know, before that, Keynes was very much seen as the solution to everything and Keynes, you know, Keynesism is back, baby, and and this is the idea that the government is putting money into people's pockets in order that they can then buy your products. And uh, if companies had uh, people with money, then they could buy their products, and then you know then there wouldn't be a problem. So that's essentially where the debate is now, which is to say, uh, do you give the money to the the companies or do you give money to the people to give to the companies? The other question, of course, is. That Spain kind of divides into, say, startups, which I guess can be characterized as young companies. In other words, companies that have been formed in the last five years. Then you have the medium sector or the PMIS, which is the SME kind of division. And those would be like from 10 people onwards. Most mm-hmm. companies don't get over 10 people. And then you have the ABEX 25 companies, which are like, you know, these, these, these vast, some of them are as much as 100 years old, you know, construction, banks, those kinds of companies. Uh, and, you know, those have very, very strong um, kind of lobbying arms you know of course the, the joke is often told you don't know where Repsol ends and, and the, you know, the energy department begins you, you don't know where Telefonica ends and the communications party right. begins so those would be very much uh, those guys would know all of the people involved and uh, you know they would be very much if there's any money coming from Europe uh, you know we, we, we would be kind of we would have proposals for that so that's sort of the, the scene setting conversation is, is mm-hmm. to you know what what do you want to do to, to fulfill the fact that GDP has fallen by 11%? The final thing I, I will say about this is that the, the, you have the tourism question, which is to say that, you know, tourism is often discussed as being, you know, Spain's invisible export because Spain's, uh, you know, their, their, their middle sector, the PIMES, is, is notoriously poor at exporting. Uh, so that's compensated for by tourism, which is an invisible export. Now, there's big debate among um, economists as to how much you can measure that. People often talk about tourism as being 11 or 12 percent of the economy. And, you know, I wouldn't disagree with that. But, you know, if you then start to ask questions about how exactly that's counted, uh, then you start to kind of think that there's a lot of leaps being made. So while many people would say that the loss of the tourism sector, I think that in terms of numbers, the country has gone from something like 90 million visitors to 20 million visitors. Uh, So it's definitely worrisome, but I don't get into worrying about how bad the figures are. I mean, I tend to take the view that this is an opportunity. So this is an opportunity to make uh, more startups grow or scale mm-hmm. up, which is the area, and also to make more uh, PMEs or SMEs export, and also to lessen our dependence on what would we call of EBEX 25 companies living from the BOE or living from, from government money. So that's the sort of the, the runners and riders of the, of the scene. Right. And, and uh, I suppose that takes us 
very well into in what our main topics is going to be, which was uh, it's Spain, like, as I said at the start, like, one of the things the coalition agree on, and I think as well from a more political point of view, that, that they do need to reach out to people that want to start companies and make or, or make smaller companies grow as well. Uh, so the, the coalition government have came up with a Spain Entrepreneurial Nation. Uh, it's a 10-year plan. So um, Sp Spanish politics is often criticised for being you know, short-term thinking. This is a, a longer-term plan. I think it's part of you know, the PSOE's longer-term plan to sort of keep it to more moderate voters. Um, but also, you know, uh, with this EU fund, you know, 70 billion in loans and grants, and then another possible 70 uh, billion later on if they need it. Uh, it's it's a real opportunity. There's there's no there's never going to be another opportunity like this to completely rehaul the Spanish economy. Um, so yes, uh, what are some of the problems like before the coronavirus? What were some of the more longer term problems for? for startups and the uh, medium-sized companies? So, okay, so then let we, we need to di differentiate very early on between what are the problems that are specific to Spain and then what are the general problems with, with productivity models in, in general? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, one of the big things is, uh, is that, you know, post-democratic uh, or, uh, you know, um, I guess democratic Spain, uh, you know, one of the interesting features is that both the uh, on the left and on the right, neither of them had any alternative model to offer. Both of them were was basically based on on you know the brick as being the basis of the economy, yeah. which is of course a notoriously unproductive. And you had Asnar had a, you know the Ley del Suelo and and all of this kind of stuff, and that's really been the motor of the Spanish economy, which has been, you know, this this. Um, the basis of that that you know property and 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 you know was the basis of how to make money in this country mm. and of course that's you know notoriously i mean it, from an economic point of view uh, it, you know one of the things uh, that you see very quickly is is how destructive that is as a growth model uh, for the country. I mean, everything from leading to boom and bust cycles, uh, everything from how it ties up uh, productive capital in unproductive sources. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not a great model on which to build an economy. A certain amount of uh, investment in this area as we all need places to live and things like that. But, you know, what, what, but when that is seen as being the central plank of the economy and needs to be protected, it sort of crowds out investment in other areas. Mm -hmm. You know, why would you invest Invest in somebody exporting oranges or something like that when you know you can kind of uh, you know, invest in property or something like yeah. that. Why would you, um, uh, you know, those those kind of kind of examples? Why why would you? I mean, why would you even you know? employ people and and you know have to do all that stuff and you can just kind of you know buy it buy a property and have the money come in every month so yeah. there's always been that kind of issue to do with um and, and over financialization of an economy is inversely correlated with productive capital so you see kind of places where they make their money out of um intellectual property you know science you know those kind of things as being you know much more first of all less vulnerable to boom and bust cycles but also much more uh, productive capital in terms of your know, genuine wealth being created 
you know, the, the, it's the thing, of course, I mean, you see like Turkey is a country that I, I study a lot and, and, you know, they've studied a lot from the closeness to political, the growth of political uh, leadership and also construction and how you find that they're almost, you know, they're very well connected. So Spain's problem historically has been uh, that we need to be have much more business that's created on the basis of intellectual property and much less uh, uh, you know wealth or something that's created and that's for two reasons one is that that's a better kind of wealth uh, and the other thing is that it doesn't crowd out investment so this report comes along and almost all countries have one of these reports you know i mean name me a country in the world and and you know, whether it's 2030 or 2040 or, you know, I mean, basically ever, you know, you can find one of these, pick a country and pick a year and you'll find this beautiful PDF, uh, which talks about how they're creating this model. Uh, and um, so it seems to be, this is the thing you have to do. Now, uh, the question is whether, um, and, you know, Spain has, has created one of these as well. Now it does seem that, um, I guess uh, one of the things is that's really interesting about Spain is the generational thing. You know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, the, the, the low standard of politicians, you know, as if, you know, in Britain that they're, they're any better considering having <laughs> taken Britain out of Europe or anything like that. I, I often think that, that that case was easier to make when, you know, perhaps Tony Blair or David Cameron were around uh, than it is to make when we have, you know, Boris Johnson and Michael Grove. But you, you do have to remember that, um, you know, education was sort of rationed in Spain and, and you know, until very recently, uh, you know, it was basically a closed country with, with very little knowledge or awareness of what was going on in other parts of the world. So, you know, some of this is just unwinding, you know, it's a bit unfair to expect any country, uh, you know, to, to, be, to go into democracy and then, you know, free education becomes available and, you know, all of these things, these things take their, take their time to kind of to, to um, and people with more education, you know, education gives you confidence. I mean, that's essentially what it does and confident people are less afraid and they're more likely to start businesses. And, and the real kind of contradiction about like, and I've presented to, you know, politicians and economic development agencies all over the world, and, and one of the biggest problems is, of course, the, the, the amount of time that anything takes to get done. In other words, like they, 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 they want you to give me something that I can like either stand in front of and cut a ribbon or, or something yeah. like that. And then what you start telling them is, look, well, actually, sorry, um, the economic literature says, for instance, that it's a whole series of small changes then lead to bigger changes. And that's not at all what they want to hear. They want to hear like, you know, let's invest in cars, which is kind of like the top down uh, economic model. I mean, that's, you know, that has worked in places like uh, Korea is the famous example of like the top down economic model, whereby, you know, governments have targeted specific areas whereby they, they, they sort of identify and, and they have created industries for, from almost nothing. Uh, but in general, the top down development model doesn't work that most you're much better off to have a bottom up development model whereby the people themselves, you know, identify what needs to be fulfilled and that governments aren't. I mean, there's this magic phrase called picking winners, you know, which is the, the thing that you're like supposed to not ever do because, you know, that's interfering in the, in the market. So that's kind of the issue that Spain has now, which is to say that everyone sort of agrees that um, 
that Spain needs to move up the value chain uh, and not be in a race to the bottom. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, if, if we were playing economic development uh, bingo, buzzword bingo here, uh, I've got race to the bottom. I have top-down <laughs> development. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting everything, you know, uh, like a, like a, I worked at Tombo going, you know, on, in a slalom. I'm hitting every mark. And uh, so this is what you, this is sort of the, what the debate needs to do now, which is to say, but it does... I mean, the first thing you do, is, as, as, as Obama famously said, was, you know, don't do stupid stuff, uh, which is the, the, the first basis of any economic development model. You can imagine how popular I am speaking to governments is beginning with, like, don't do stupid stuff, right? Which is the famous joke is just don't invade Russia in the winter, you know, as being like, how to understand strategy, like don't invade Russia in the winter is, is the first rule of strategy. Uh, don't do stupid stuff means like Brexit or, you know, you know, these kind of things. So that's the first thing that the, that the Spain is kind of like that the government isn't doing any stupid stuff. Yeah. And that's that's an important kind of interesting thing to do. Um, but what they're trying to do um, uh, very much is, is to try and uh, the debate is concentrated as to whether you save businesses uh, or whether you let businesses fall. I mean, even a company like Abangoa or something like that, like there's a lot to be said for letting businesses fail and then restructuring them. So like if an airline fails, for instance, like you know, the planes don't disappear into like, a, you know, an airport in Teruel and, and never come back. Uh, you know, the whole thing gets restructured. In other yeah. words, uh, the, the, you know, the, the assets get recycled and, you know, new management comes in and, and all those kind of things. And of course, that's, that's Schumpeter's creative destruction. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, what should happen. But of course, that's politically very difficult to do for all sorts of reasons. So that's kind of what Spain needs to be doing, which is to say that education and science are, are back in vogue. And Spain does have a number of excellent business schools. I'm talking my own book here. Uh, standards in education have risen. Uh, and uh, there is, the last thing I'll say is just this issue of science. And there was this thing called the Fuega de Científicos, which is to say that during the time of the brick, that science was very much kind of deep, uh, depopularized. De if that's a, if that's a, a probably a, a Spanishism, but uh -huh. Spanish was science was sort of seen almost. There, there is a, a dangerous anti-intellectualism strain in Spain, going back to you know the the you may have seen the. Um, you know the Salamanca, the famous Salamanca trials, yeah, yeah. and those kind of things. So there is a strain of of, of anti-intellectualism and scientists, and, and these scientists kind of were spread to the four corners of the earth, and all of them are doing spectacularly well. You you can actually say that the number one researcher in the areas of malaria, in cancer, uh, and also in HIV is a Spanish person. And the person who made the most interesting scientific discovery of the last 50 years is, is basically a professor in Alicante who created CRISPR, the gene editing uh, protocol. So, you know, Spain is very good for science, but perhaps um, not very good uh, at like marketing themselves and stuff uh -huh. like scientists have to be kind of, you know, there's an element of, they have to be film stars, you know, they have to be like, why there's a reason uh, Garzon is the most famous judge in Spain, you know, he's wonderful hair and, you know, media presence and stuff like that. So Spanish science has been, hasn't been very good at that. I mean, Caltrava as an architect has been, you know, there has to be that kind of element of that. So that was a very long kind of around the houses way of thing going is that the way forward is education, science uh, and investment. Uh, but the, the, you know, the, so everyone's kind of agreed on that, but it's the debate is, 
between those those two things how do we you know what's the what's the the, the sort of the the you know the model to 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 make movement in those areas and uh so one i'm, I'm glad you mentioned education and i mean the you know the time of the property the property boom i mean there was jobs for people high um high school leavers rate um not people not finishing high school i think it was the second highest in europe for a while uh and then you know you had the collapse of the of the of the brick as you call it and yeah. and and the youth and the youth unemployment in spain is 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 high and it's and it's predicted to be very high after covid um and then also um uh was like the brain drain or the modern brain drain of of people leaving spain to go and live in germany ireland the uk when when the um property bubble burst uh and i've spoke to quite a lot of them and, and a lot of them are of, of the opinion that spain doesn't like entrepreneurs um and uh and i've seen a lot of difficulties that um other other immigrants have had setting up businesses here because autonomy fees are very high lots of complaints about bureaucracy um and then there's also in this uh in this in this plan they talk so they talk about changing the um investment risk culture uh, a bit yeah. so uh, is is life difficult for 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 business uh, for entrepreneurs in spain that want to set up a business and um, could you talk a bit about this and how yeah, this I mean, plans to change it? Sorry. Sure. I mean, the thing, it's really interesting. I mean, there are 30,000 Spanish people in Edinburgh for something. You, you know, if you think about these, you see these Españoles por el mundo and yeah, these kind yeah. of documentaries. And, yeah. and, you know, these are, this is wonderful, productive capital. And, and in Ireland, you know, we, you know, a lot of our growth is based on people who went away, learned new skills uh -huh. and then came, came back. Uh -huh. And, uh, because, you know, you do see it's just this famous value added thing, which is to say, like, you know, Spain um, make olives and instead of putting them into a bottle with a label and selling them like we send them, send the actual olives themselves to Greece and Italy and, yeah, and, and then yeah. they make the money and the grapes are exactly the same. We send them to France and then France does it. And, and you know, some of that is to do with just not having marketing skills, not having English right. language skills, you know, those those. Uh, areas and and so those Spanish people that have gone to other countries and perhaps developed those uh, will in the future be a great source of of of. I mean, I talk about the football thing. I I don't know <laughs> how much leaders of your podcast want to go into the football, but you know, there's there is always listen. I I you know sort of when I, I you're asked to give a talk in Toledo on a Tuesday about entrepreneurship and you're like how am I going to make this interesting uh so I just tell you talk you use these I use the three metaphors of either fashion football or food because those are the things that everyone understands right so mm -hmm. everyone wants to talk about food and, and you see the fact that you know three of the top 10 restaurants in the world are in Spain you know in fashion yeah. you see mango I mean I was in Azerbaijan recently uh and like the you know the main mall in in Baku is just basically mango, Zara, Desigual, you know, it's basically, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't buy anything there because of course I can get that at home, better range <laughs> and, and cheaper, cheaper the price. So you, you do have, um, 
a lot of those things. But you know, the 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 issue is often made of well, why did the Spanish football team start winning? You know, I mean, for for years and years, you know, Spain had the best players, uh, uh, but. Uh, then suddenly they went from, you know, but they were always, whether it was Tassotti with an elbow, there was always a hard look story or something as to why they didn't win. And, and kind of three things happened that, 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 you know, haven't really been talked about, uh, but just something that I see, I guess, uh, the parallel with entrepreneur. And the first thing was that Spanish players started playing in other countries, which uh -huh. historically wasn't something that happened. So you had, you know, Spanish Liverpool, you had Javi Alonso and Rafa and Fernando Torres and all of these people. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, Previously, the best players played for Real Madrid and Barcelona and more Sevilla, whatever. And that was kind of then they had to kind of come together as a national team. It didn't really work. So the first thing was the whole massive insecurity issue, which is to say that, you know, the Xavi Alonso's of the world and Fernando Torres, you know, they went to England and they suddenly saw that their players who they would see every day weren't really that much better than them, you know, which was to say that they saw they could survive and they mm -hmm. saw how they looked up to them. So, and then when they came back to play for Spain, you know, they brought those things to their friends and whether it was diet or whether it was extra training or, or, or all of these things. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the reasons for the success of the Spanish football team, La Furia, and actually I, I only put the smart books behind me, you know, in the corner, I have all the books on football. But uh, one of the interesting things, so that was the first thing. So, so in the same way that Spanish footballers went to play abroad in, in Liverpool and, and other clubs and then kind of came back, you know, that is happening with the generation. So those people that go to yeah. Edinburgh, you know, eventually they'll get sick of four hours daylight tomatoes without any taste and you know all of those all of those other things and, and want to come back yeah, uh, yeah the other thing of course that has been really massive is immigration and you know spain is a wonderful country you know both of us are immigrants and i never ever say i'm an expat i always proudly say i'm an immigrant yeah, and I, always, I always tell my kids you know equal immigrantes you know like which is a superpower <laughs> uh and uh, so this is a sort of an interesting thing that is, sometimes it takes immigrants to tell a country you know what they have that's wonderful you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, this is the value that i have although i sometimes joke that there's there's no market in spain for immigrants telling spaniards they're wonderful because they they you know there's but there's a big market for immigrants to tell spanish people that they're horrible they seem to like that much more you know so i i often kind of uh, you know say i have two talks but you know no one's interested in hearing my spain is wonderful uh, but everyone is interested in hearing my spain is terrible kind of uh their kind of talk but that's one of the famous things and the story is told of marcus sent marcus senna who was playing for the spain who was born in brazil uh, at the halftime of the final of the eurocopa and he, he basically you know they were really worried the match was tense and he said listen the guys in the other dressing room think you guys are the best players in the world you know they're terrified of you and, you know, it's not the other way around. They wish they had your skills and your abilities. And it takes enough, sometimes it takes that. And I spend an awful lot of my time, um, you know, the, the students I teach, and I, I, they are brilliant in so many ways. You know, they are creative, uh, you know, they work hard, but they don't believe in themselves. You know, they, 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 you know, they, they lack this kind of, um, you know, belief in themselves. And sometimes it just takes someone like me to come along and say, listen, that paper you just wrote for me, it's better than, than, than uh, you know, that's as good as in the other places. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and then they start to believe in themselves. And that's kind of the thing that's missing in a lot of entrepreneurship. If you look at the stories of the great companies that have been founded in Spain, 
you know, Mancio Ortega and Zara is often told about, you know, he, he was in a shop when he was 10 and his mother was refused credit. And he, from that moment on, he just left. But it took him 30 years to understand the business. You know, he started Zara aged himself and his, his wife, sadly now dead, 39, he started Zara. So he was a lot of time, oh. you know, cutting up um, batas, what, what you call batas, dressing gowns and those, mm. those kind of things. Like, and he was, um, you know, so he learned the trade. And that's a kind of, uh, and of course, the, you know, sometimes I give talks and I, you know, I tell people that the average age of an entrepreneur is 45. You know, this idea that, um, you know, kids, they, they put young, good looking people on magazines because that's, you know, kind of what sells. Nobody wants to see boring Alan and Joe, with the best of respect to you, Alan, neither you nor me, uh, nobody's going to um, buy a magazine with our heads on the cover, but that's actually the reality of, of the best age to start a company because, yeah. you know, innovation is connecting the unconnected, you know, that's essentially what it is. And older people do that very well. We're much better mm. at, at, you know, innovation isn't creating anything new um, it, it's connecting the unconnected and you know you have all these skills that you probably don't appreciate uh, that you know middle age has given you that but you but you probably know you need people like me just kind of tell you that you have these you're probably much better off now at judging people for instance than when you were in your 20s mm -hmm. uh, you're probably be much better off when something bad happens to go look tomorrow is another day you know get up and, and you know that kind of thing so there's all sorts of things about middle age and you, you know you understand everything like you know legal and and the a lot of these kind of things and that's why you have a lot of these kind of companies and and spain has a big problem with not harnessing this group of people so you have mm. people who are prejubilado which is you know almost a scandal you you could be prejubilado in spain in, in your 40s you know uh, and and you're literally like you're you have 20 years then left till you're 65 when you're literally being paid not to work by you know, one of these big companies. So this is a sort of a, an interesting area in terms of there isn't a good understanding in Spain as to what entrepreneurship and, and business, business is seen as old gray men in suits uh, right. who have in two phase and, and it's not seen uh, in the sense of what it is. I mean, I think business is as interesting as football or as art or as, but it's not so like that. Business is about like firing people and just being horrible to people and something that, you know, keeps me, I mean, uh, you know, I speak to so many people and they're like, look, I just need whatever euros a month. And I just do the job for that. But, you know, like basically my family and my friends are my life, you know, and then mm -hmm. it's the idea that, that you're identified. Like, and I lived in, in San Francisco. The first thing someone asks is what you do for a living. Like I have friends of mine, I don't really understand what they do for a living. And when I ask them, it's as impolite as, you know, like sort of like how many sexual partners do you have? You know, it's like, why, you know, first of all, like I feel awkward that you've asked me that. And second of yeah. all, why would you ask me that? Yeah. And it's like, uh, so this is the, the sort of issue about, um, you know, I've covered a myriad of stuff there, which is to say, you know, why do people get involved in, in, in kind of in starting a business, like very often something needs to happen in their life. I mean, I, I tell the story because I work for a video game company of, um, of JK Rowling, you know, that if JK had had a happy marriage, she would never have written Harry Potter, you know, which is sort yeah. of sad to say, you know, but sadly her marriage broke down and, you know, and she wanted to try um, 
and show kind of, you know, she had value. She needed that. And that channeled all of that into coming back. And, you know, it's a one, I mean, it's a very emotional story, but, you know, this is the sort of thing that very often people need something to happen to them to, to find. And, and probably the number one thing that, that, um, I, it's this idea of triggers, you know, I mean, this is, I'm getting very business schooly now on you, but, you know, in terms of like what triggers behavior and, and this is, most people have the ambition and the ability to create companies and employ lots of people. But the question is, what's the trigger? And in, in the case of Amancio, it was kind of being humiliated in the shop. In the case of JK Rowling, it was her marriage breaking up. Uh, but in most cases, it's family business. Like, so the businesses come out of that, either your, your family is in business and, and that's kind of your link to business and you continue with that. But very few people I meet, um, like unless they have some kind of contacted business, it's, it's almost as if, you know, their caste, it's like an Indian caste system that if you're not from mm. a certain caste, then business is not for you. Yeah. And, and those are kind of the problems. And it needs either some time living in another country to overcome your insecurity, mm. or it needs people like you and me to come from other countries and say, listen, what you do is incredible. Like you should sell us, you know, or something like that. So there's yeah. a whole part of those kind of softer factors, mm. but of course, you know, they, and, and, that's where, you know, that's where the, 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 the kind of, you know, the, the real solutions will come from. But of course, politicians, you know, are not interested in that kind of soft stuff. They're interested in, in specific measures they can take, which they can link to successes. And, and uh, but, you know, you have to talk about, uh, about both things. No, definitely. And, and I think that's a, you know, really good point about the, uh, this, education being you know the young spain i suppose uh is very it's very open it's it's multicultural it's um it's you know you can tell by the improving level of english like the all, most of the politicians now speak english rajoy famously couldn't uh or wouldn't speak english mm. in front of the cameras so and, and <laughs> this is like a new generation of politicians but it's yeah. also a mm. new generation of business where uh, um pa where pablo casano's english is quite good but he's terrified yeah. to speak it he's terrified oh, really? to speak it yeah wow. yeah i mean I, I i you know can you name drop on podcasts but as soon as he he knew i could speak spanish you know he switched back you know and it's like yeah. uh, you know it's it's and some of it is about controlling the dynamic and stuff yeah. like that but you, you just wouldn't find that in other countries you know they'd be kind of interested to practice and interesting to show that they could speak good english and 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 that kind of stuff but that's changing i mean when you meet yeah, spanish definitely. people now like there was a time when you could only speak english in spain if you had money because and it, if you had money you could go to a school that taught english uh, and there were a whole pile of the whole generation of people and they're their job, the only thing they owed it to was the fact that they could speak English. They were like mm. the English speaker in the company, you know, who could <laughs> deal with the incoming. Uh, and I, it took me a while. I was in a company once and I just realized, God, this guy's the stupidest person in the world. But the, the only reason he was the head of it was because he could speak English. Wow. And it was it was only then when I, I started to realize, but that's gone now with Netflix. You know, I mean, my kids speak very good English and people say, oh, do you speak English to them? And I said, well, I do, but they get it off Netflix. They get it off, off the television. Right. So yeah. it's not really an issue. And they also the insecurity is kind of gone because the world is open up. You know, they they are aware of things that are happening in other countries when that was that was once impossible. So, mm. you know, there isn't um, 
you know, Spain is kind of getting better in the background as well as the specific yeah. measures that are being taken to to improve stuff uh, and it's getting rid of the insecurity it's improving the english language uh it's it's having people go for stuff you know i mean i've a proverbial neck like the jockey's bollocks and i'll go for anything you know and i you see spanish people who are like you know i always have a joke about like you know someone asked me to you know give a speech in chinese I would always say, well, it depends. Can the audience speak Chinese? <laughs> uh, and it's a sort of like that literally, um, you know, I, <laughs> I have so many stories about like just kind of like the absurdity of like, oh my God, you know, but that's a very Spanish thing about controlling the situation. And like, unless you're an expert in everything, you know, the people are, are reluctant to just kind of, you know, talk about stuff, you know, and I, I think that that can't be the attitude. So Spain is getting better about those kind of things, but there is still um, a kind of a reluctance among entrepreneurs to say like, our product is the best you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and that you don't see that, for instance, I mean, in Silicon Valley, I mean, the, the biggest surprise in Silicon Valley is just the ordinariness of, it, you know, like you hear about people that are like, you know, superstars, and then you meet them, and they're just very ordinary, you know, and in fact, yeah. you, you could go into conversations with them, and you realize just how ordinary they are. And then, yeah. of course, I meet people in Spain who are, you know, very well read, you know, very knowledgeable. Uh, and behind the scenes in Silicon Valley, there is a lot of very well educated Spanish people. I mean, the guy who does all the radios and the iPhones is a Spanish guy. Uh, you know, the number three person in Facebook is a Spanish guy. You know, there's a, a lot of Spanish people who are very doing very good things for other people. But of course, Spain doesn't get the benefit uh, of that wealth. Um, and that's, you know, that's sort of the, the next thing we need to do, which is we need to kind of make them believe in themselves a bit more. Uh, and then we need to make them want to have like a thousand person company instead of doing something very bitty for like a 50 person company. And that's that's the challenge. And that's what uh, what the, I guess the high commission are trying to are trying to fix. Yeah. And, and some of their plans were to I mean, the other thing with this high commission. So just to explain for listeners, it's. Um, They've Spain have set up this sort of commission, and it's going to work with various ministries to uh, try and reach its mission, which is Spain entrepreneurial nation. Um, and one of the I, one thing that I kind of really liked about it was the they keep repeating the the plan to leave no one behind, but also they're going to try not just to you know, launch a thousand startups or, or, or whatever, or, or grow a thousand startups, but they really want to link Spain together. So they talk about gender inequality and regional inequality as well, uh, being two of their targets, um, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, the, the, the cynical side of my, my, of me, which is most of me, actually, but anyway, <laughs> I may even say my better side, uh, my better would say to me, that's just a stop for Podemos, you know, uh, right. and their thing about like, you know, but there, there is this famous joke about like that, uh, you know, that if uh, the house is on fire, you know, Podemos, first thing they ask is like, you know, how many firefighters are lesbian, you know, and, <laughs> and, and like, that's a sort of like, you know, there is an issue about that, that, you know, to get the thing across the line. And um, so you, you do kind of, um, but there is regional inequalities that are a yeah. huge problem. And, yeah. uh, you know, like that shouldn't actually be because um, 
you know, the, Spain is a very decentralized uh, nation or whatever you want uh -huh. to say, you know, I mean, which is I mean, some of it could be due with them. Um, you know, the, the Basque country is obviously very entrepreneurial, as is Catalonia, yeah, and yeah. You know, Galicia historically has been. But, you know, the Canary Islands has an awful lot of hot, very high unemployment, which is, you know, and they're suffering it now more than ever because of the lack of tourism. But, um, uh, and actually, the other thing about Spain is that infrastructure is, is very good, you know, yeah, in, in that, great. like, uh, you know, things like... Uh, uh, your broadband roads um like th th this is the thing that like spain one of the things they don't sort of appreciate this you know they sort of think uh you know that all countries are like this you know uh but it's not true at all no you know? no so it's not jesus yeah 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 <laughs> well I, I was going to i was going to say ireland but yeah it's you know it's similar and uh, you know bt have a huge place in swindon but you know try and get broadband you know but even in yeah. sand hill road and you know the the, the mobile coverage would Spain has a very much, you know, this is, you know, one of the things about Madrid, you know, that that they do tend to take a, an approach that, um, that uh, you know, the Nacion, that you know, people get these things. So the basic parts are there to build stuff, but, um, you know, the culture of it, it isn't, uh, you know, I mean, now we got like, it's really dangerous uh, to start talking about culture because you do get into kind of stereotypes and, and yeah. like that's the worst thing you go because, the, the, there is no such thing as a, 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 a specific kind of entrepreneur. You know, they're tall, they're small, they're young, yeah. they're old. You know, I mean, there are, of course, things you can say about people. And I mentioned their age of them, but but you can yeah. find, you know, just as many other people. So it is kind of dangerous to say that, that you know, you know, to look for, for cultural factors. But it is kind of true um, that, uh, you know, that, that you don't find, like, you know people's people's achievements celebrated businesses sort of seen as like that you know I, is it voltaire who said like behind every fortune is a crime uh or any anyway, one of right. the great Fr french men of letters so there yeah. is this kind of sense at which you know if you're successful you don't talk about it uh, and uh and it's uh so you know and there's a sense that you know a lot of people sort of believe like oh yeah well he he committed a crime and i could also be successful if, if i was prepared to do it uh and then of course there's just the other stuff about like spain isn't you don't need a lot of money to sort of have an okay life. I mean, I, yeah. you know, if you think of health is provided, education is provided yeah. and, but, but oddly enough in, 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 in Scandinavian countries and Nordic countries, that's positively correlated with uh, innovation. You know, yeah. the idea that like that, you know, in, in Nordic countries where there is also a social net, they have high levels of innovation. Yeah. And, and the, the, the kind of the contradiction is that in Spain where there is also a social net, we don't have, the levels of, and and I think that's perhaps to do with the thing you referred to a while ago, which is people drop out of school. You know, they're eighteen, yeah. and they 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 sort of, you know, or like the the, the Spanish dropout rates from university are very poor as well. Oh, right. So okay. I think all of that's happening. I mean, I'm sort of shocked. In Ireland, you know, like education was 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 literally everything. You know, the idea yeah. that, um. You know, that, that, you know, literally like the way people would like my parents talked about my exam results and, you know, made every sacrifice and stuff. And that's not uncommon. You would find that amongst a lot of Irish people. I don't see that in Spain at all. You know, I mean, in the sense of, um, you know, they, they, they don't sort of really 
look on education as being, you know, the, 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 the sort of the pathway. They, they regard mm -hmm. it as being another part of, of other things. So, um, uh, but of course, there is lots of, of really fantastic education. The scientists I mentioned, yeah, you know, the business yeah. schools are, are, are very good. So this um, is the sort of the odd thing about Spain that like a lot of the pieces are kind of there. Yeah. Um, and, and the pieces are there and it's getting better every year through natural factors. But, but how do we get these kind of companies, like the, 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 the scale-ups to happen? So how do we get like the PMEs or the SMEs yeah. to go from 50-person companies to 800-person companies? And that's what, what Francisco and Arpaco is, is, that's kind of what he's trying to do. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, there's this thing called the Fundico, which is basically as part of the banking bailout, uh, they required under, under the condition, conditionality that about a billion, uh, and that's gone up to at least 4 billion of money was set aside in this thing called the Fundico, which is the ICO, which is sort of a, a state bank. Uh, and that would be given to venture capital companies in order to directly uh, invest in, in startups to scale. Uh -huh. uh, and this is copying what they did in Israel called the USMA model, and it's been incredibly successful. Uh, and if you look at, there's um, about five or six venture capital companies in Spain, uh, and you know nearly all of them, their portfolios are doing extraordinarily well mm -hmm. uh, because they have been able to uh, fund Series B and A rounds, which was the, the gap that you know, people were starting, but they couldn't find money in order to do. And there's no shortage of that now. Um, and it's sort of funny that uh, this it's been a huge success, but nobody really wants to talk about it right, because yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're sort of, they don't want to be accused of giving money to, to sort of startups, but it's been a tremendous success uh, and a lot of, so it does again show that you know, the, I guess the, the thing that's always talked about, which is, you know, NVIDIA is the Deporte Nacional. So they, they, they just don't like to talk about, you know, they actually were very successful, um, you know, with that with that initiative of the Fundigo. Um, one, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, and I think it's something, I mean, startups are often, the word itself is often linked with sort of what people might call neoliberalism uh like we're well, not linked to it but as part of the it's in the same era and then some models that some companies use like Globo, uh uber capify these companies um they are often accused uh of you know making people self-employed uh or false autonomous is a big thing in spain at the moment and the government are really taking these um certain companies of these to task on on uh, employment rights and things so uh is the is is this going to be a problem do you think in the future for um for attempting investment uh or is it or is it more that it's just a like a kind of a smaller problem that's been reported on more than um 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's definitely, uh, you know, the idea of being a false autonomous is, is definitely uh, an issue. And a lot of these, uh, the question as to how profitable Global is as a company without the exploitation is a real question. Right. Uh, but you could also, but the people who want to criticize startups and criticize other people getting rich and, and those kind of things, they, 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 they go on Global. For every Global, there are, you know, companies like Travel Park and they're all who yeah, have yeah. You know, created exceptional value and done exceptional uh-huh, things uh-huh. Uh, and um, so I, I wouldn't be and I don't think um, you know if global hadn't been created you know uber would be doing exactly the same thing yeah I mean there's a huge this is a this is a sort of an EU problem that has to be tackled at an EU yeah. level and, yeah, and yeah. Was sort of what the EU is for and uh-huh. um, which is to say that like the law doesn't catch up on these things like the idea that you can call call a taxi in your phone or these kind of things like the law hasn't been ready for them and the EU have been very slow um, yeah. to do, really do anything about this uh, you know and this is sort of why you know the EU is a consensus built model you know it's the idea is you bring everyone along with you and because of that everything takes ages to get done so they're behind in lots of things but mm-hmm. um you know the facebook and google and all of these companies make way more money in europe than they do in the us you know europe has been a, an absolute goldmine for them because you know europe is is a prosperous well regulated uh, in the sense of the rule of law in the sense of other areas uh, but the eu has been quite slow for lots of reasons either to clamp down on things like data protection and those kind of issues i mean the, the gdpr you could you literally could shut down facebook in the morning if, if you wanted to do it um but you know the eu's governments uh for whatever reason either to not understanding or or not wanting to like shutting down facebook isn't exactly a popular measure and also no. they very much use facebook for their elections themselves uh, in terms of you know how to reach people and things like that but mm. um I like to have the conversation with Glovo and with Cabify on that basis, which is to say that, uh, and these guys, you know, they don't want to be illegal and they don't want to be, you know, they want, they're quite happy to have that conversation. Uh, of course, they will, you know, they will fight it in the sense of, you know, they will try and have the law when it does come in. I think the startup riders are calling it is, is not too onerous and, and, you know, does still allow them in order to uh, you know, continue to make a profit. But, but to sort of label tech with neoliberalism, you know, is <laughs> it's a hell of a, it's a hell of, I mean, you know, like where, where you're in chemical companies who put pollution into the river, you know, yeah, banks, yeah. Who, you know, I mean, those are sort of like, those problems have been going on have a long time without yeah, painting yeah. the technology. Like technology has been, you know, of, of great benefit for most people. And, mm. you know, I think one of the things is that the pandemic, I think, will have an awful lot of positive uh, outcomes in terms of people can start to live um where they want to live and technology is what's enabling that. Uh, so I, I think there's an awful lot of um, very positive kind of developments about things that technology companies are, are created. And, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, capitalism. I mean, the problem with capitalism and, and neoliberalism is, is crony capitalism, you know, rather yeah. than capitalism itself. Mm. Uh, I mean, nobody disputes 
uh, about capitalism bringing people out of out of poverty. But mm. like uh, this is this you know this sort of touches into the politics, and you know this is why I teach both in the the school of global affairs as well as in the entrepreneurial thing. Right. Uh, and this is to do that. You know, what do you do when people are doing bad things? You know, I mean, you know, most of us just want to like live our days. And unless somebody like directly threatens our security, you know, we don't go on marches, you know, we don't protest, we don't mm. do stuff. And, and there's a whole pile of, of kind of issues that are there that, that you know, people are kind of reluctant to, to get involved in. And, uh, and that's, a, that's where the whole neoliberalism, you know, comes into it. Mm. Uh, and and that's, I, I, that's changing a lot with the younger generation. You know, I teach people who are 18 and, and that kind of age. And there's a whole lot of things that are absolutely taken for granted, you know, that are bad behaviors and, and, and people just literally, you know, are, are refusing to call out. But um, you know, there's other parts as well, as you see the eternal question about like, like something like food banks and something like energy poverty and, and are more likely to get solved by somebody creating a company than that the political system itself is going to fix it. Uh, now, you know, we can disagree about that and we can talk about how long it will take and stuff like that. But, mm. you know, there are companies, for instance, that collect food that, you know, previously you had supermarkets would throw things into dumpsters and all of that was yeah, happening. Yeah. And, you know, there are now companies created that are doing that. Mm, yeah. um, even stuff like, you know, there were like pay, you know, banks were taking advantage, you know, uh, taking advantage of people with usurious loans and stuff like that. There are now companies that are being created in order to, to make that the management of that be more transparent. And, you know, they can have lower admin costs, which means they can give less interest rates. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, some of the stuff that was going on there was, was, was absolutely awful. So, you know, I mean, even I think of, of growing up in, in Ireland and it was like 400 you know pounds at the time to fly to fly to london you know uh, and now ryanair will you know make that available for 49 because they have a, a better business model so mm -hmm. you know i mean you, you know michael o'leary has his his critics and stuff like that but he has enabled a lot of people to get access to air travel i mean i remember air travel like going to airports since younger it was this glorious age you know literally <laughs> like and and it's now become just big buses so so yeah. this is this is the benefits of capitalism that you know even like you know producing drugs and stuff like that you know yeah, yeah. like what pfizer and these people have been able to do uh with mrna stuff so like this is but this the capitalism doesn't tell its story very well um and uh you know there is this is a sort of most startups are doing things like food waste, connectivity, uh, in education. I mean, I, I'm a judge for this competition for MIT, and, and we look at uh, places like Brazil and India. Like, you know, I had some teachers that weren't great, but at least they turned up. You know, in places like Brazil and India, you know, the teachers don't even turn up, you know. So, but you have private sector, I mean, people that are enabling online education and, and those kind of things. So this is, you know, the, again, the story that, that capitalism or, or, you know, doesn't tell itself, that a lot of these companies are created that are enabling uh, healthcare, education, energy, communications, you know, all of these things to, to become available to people who previously didn't have them. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think that's, that's generally a good thing. In fact, it is a good thing. I should unashamedly say it's a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, we've touched on a lot of um, 
positive points and, and some of the negative things or uh, issues around startups in Spain. Uh, what's your opinion on the Madrid-Barcelona uh, <laughs> situation? Being, I, I mean, uh, but obviously a lot of people of, often um, compare Madrid and Barcelona, but also there's the rest of Spain, uh, which I think um, was an interesting point about this high commission, that they were talking a lot about places other than Madrid and Barcelona. And also just to mention, Madrid and Barcelona are some of the, well, they're, they're quite high up on the... Uh, on the number of startups, I believe, they've got in Europe. Yeah. No, those are very good. I mean, I think the two best cities to live in Europe are Madrid and Berlin, which are like, you know, they have that kind of, like London and Paris, places I both lived in, are, are, are just too kind of big and also dominated by, say, finance in the case of London. And yeah. uh, so uh, this is this is why um, uh, you want to sort of have a competition about the thing, uh, you know, Barcelona have is is better than Madrid, but a lot of the um, entrepreneurship in, in in Barcelona is is people coming from other countries. Uh, you know, a lot of French people have started companies, for instance, and Italians and stuff like that. So you know, it, it hasn't. It is. It, they just you know companies they could start anywhere and kind of have come to Barcelona because uh, it's a nice place to live and that kind of thing so that's often the, the kind of the, the the you know when Barcelona says we're better then Madrid sort of say yes but it's French people and Italians and Germans and Norwegians and stuff so this is uh, you know so-called immigrant entrepreneurship is a huge thing I mean I've started three companies in Spain, uh, you know, I guess, so I'm an immigrant entrepreneur, but you see like Bet Wayne and a lot of these companies, even Travel Park, you know, is an Israeli. So you see an awful lot of people coming to Spain uh, to sort of set up companies because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's European. Um, so there's, you know, they don't have the work permit issue and it's a Euro and, and, and that kind of, and you can get really very well qualified engineers uh, and not as expensive as you'd have to pay for them in other places because the technology talent is really good you know being yeah, an engineer yeah. is seen as being like a doctor or or a lawyer or something it's being like it's a high caste sort of profession so that's definitely true which is to say that they're sort of startup hubs but they haven't up to now had the money uh people you know people have had to go to particularly london to sort of get the money so that's sort right. of changing now and they they can keep the jobs um, other places, you know, you have, you know, Mila Nuncios, I guess, came out of Catharys, but you have a lot of people in the south as well, uh, in Malaga and Sevilla, uh, coming up with, with innovative things. Um, uh, so I, I think that, I think a lot of the talk in, in, in the, you know, Nafion, the entrepreneurial nation is, you know, kind of, I guess, for the PR part of it. Uh, um, I think that, you know, everyone has to be seen to be getting their fair whack, you know, you know, the mm -hmm. sort of the, whether it's bringing home the bacon or something like that. But I, I think that um, it's definitely true that uh, companies are increasingly, you can start them anywhere. Uh, that yeah. used to be the, the case that the investors needed to be closer to their investment. I think that's sort of changing now. And I think in the future, it will change a lot. And, um, you know, I see 
lots of, you know, Farol, where my wife is from, you know, is since the shipyards closed, uh, has been a very kind of depressed place. But they have these like wonderful buildings, uh, which are wonderful places to live. You know, you can live in the middle of Farol in these kind of old style buildings and walk yeah. everywhere. And, you know, I think there'll be a lot more of that. I mean, I've invested in two companies that are that are that's kind of their plan to try and revitalize right. places like Farol. I mean, Cadiz is sort of the same, you know, and that they have like fantastic architecture. You know, people like living in those sort of places are 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 um you know better than perhaps living in, in an apartment in, in in Madrid or something, you know, where yeah, especially yeah. If, if you don't have any daylight. Uh, so like that, that part is, is changing with broadband and with the sort of mm. acceptance that you can do work uh, over video. So yeah. I think like all of those are positive factors. Mm. Um, but then you, you have the other stuff, which is the, you know, what we call the deep tech revolution, which is in the intellectual property, uh, is that you can have execution only businesses can be kind of founded by and a lot of Spain's tech startups are execution businesses. In other words, they get a business model and they just kind of copy it from somewhere else and do it. Like the real interesting value added businesses uh, are based on deep tech. So they're based on some sort of molecule or a protein in the case of biotech, uh, or they're based in using like AI robotics, uh, you know, synthetic biology, um, you know, 3D printing, you know, those kind of exponential technologies. Uh, and Spain kind of needs more companies. I mean, they have kind of set up a competition uh, which is called the smart box, which is the idea that there will be like what's called uh, regulatory arbitrage, uh, Alan. Uh, I'm just competing my buzzword bingo. So <laughs> manage, to, manage to include regulatory arbitrage uh, in, in, uh, in that. And this is the idea that you know, regulations for, I mean, this is, this is a sort of an example, uh, like if you think like cloning of, you know, there are certain things that uh, perhaps are, are not, you're, you know, you're not allowed to, or there's some sort of scientific resistance, but that they would like legislate within a sandbox that they would, they would allow you to, to do certain things. Um, now, clo I, you know, cloning is not an example of one of those, but I use it as an example because otherwise I'm talking about some sort of like really deep tech thing. But that would be the idea that you could try and do something um, that um, has, you know, like crossing kind of, you know, 3G with something else, you know, trying to kind of like, uh, you know, do something that that would, uh, you know, that previously was not allowed because, you know, a lot of things are regulated, whether it's banking or whether it's a spectrum for community, like a lot of say spectrum are withheld by the military. So there are a lot of these kind of things that you can't just kind of, you know, set up a company and do uh, that there, you have to get like a license to do. So this is the idea that they would issue licenses to do kind of frontier or deep tech technology. Uh, and I think that could be interesting because one of those companies, I mean, the Israelis are really good at those kinds of companies. That's kind of has been their speciality. Uh, I mean, they're motivated perhaps by military uses or, or, or things like that, or perhaps, you know, they have an awful lot of really good private sector research, you know, um, in that paid very often by um, very successful Americans who, who then create a research institute, uh, mm -hmm. which again is not something you, I mean, the famous, the Fraunhofer in Germany is kind of the famous example of 
private sector deep tech research and Spain is kind of getting to that sort of notion the idea that and those would create kind of you know billion dollar companies and that would be very interesting if that could come out of it so Spain moves from the idea that we would be like an app that sells hotel rooms or an app to order taxis or food or you know fashion or something like that that we would instead do something that allows uh, some sort of like triangulation of 3G signals with something else and mm. you know that that you know those are the kind of the businesses of the future i mean yeah they they talk about this thing like the fourth industrial revolution which is a term i absolutely hate because i think it's meaningless um but you know it does involve in so much as it really does exist you know it does involve you know, just using technologies, the, the ones I mentioned, AI, um, you know, synthetic biologies, the idea that, for instance, like that schools, uncouple schools from education, uh, uncouple hospitals from health, uh, you know, uncouple uh, cars from transport, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like one of these the TED Talk things now which is like my, my my i got a great piece of advice once and someone which is never do a ted talk uh because you know over time you start to look ridiculous uh but but you know that's that is the thing that we were trying to uncouple um uh-huh. you know the like 18th century ways of doing stuff like untangle the your your rights of the law from the court system uh and uh so those are the sort of the those deep tech businesses uh, or frontier tech or exponential tech or you know one of those terms and i think if spain has has set up um a competition to try and attract those kind of things and i think that could be really interesting because the engineering talent is certainly there mm-hmm. um but uh yeah. and, and it, it needs a trigger you know it needs yeah, something yeah. to kind of uh to to, to sort of uh you know, put you ahead and, and, and sort of almost like a customer, you know, what, going back to the beginning mm. of the, of this discussion, I said, what businesses need most is customers. So if the government becomes a customer, so if the government says with your mm. hyperloop, if you create a hyperloop, you know, we'll, we'll buy it. So they'll give you an amount of money and see yeah. if you can kind of set this thing up. And then if it works, you know, they will, they will, they will, give you the the, the 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 license to do it and then they will give you the space to do it and they say that if it works then we will be your customer so i think that's that's something that governments um you know should do and are doing and i think that could that could yield some interesting results or it could be a complete waste of everyone's money and you know all that kind of stuff you know this is one of those you know time will tell sort of statements yeah i suppose it's you know taken a, a leap of faith really um, yeah, which is but let, let, let me just to do with the EU money. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, on. but let me just add to that. It's really important because, like that, you know, it's out of failure that comes success. You know, yeah. like you know, so you see this an awful lot of times, whereby you know somebody gets involved in something like the hyperloop you know which is this like elon musk thing of a floating cars with electronic yeah. electromagnetic things, and 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 you know a guy goes and works for that and um, and it doesn't work. Uh, or or it's, it, it proves not to be uh, viable commercially or something like that. But the people who work on that project then goes to somewhere else and they bring kind of yeah. the skills they learn from that. And, and that's where the real benefit comes. I mean, mm-hmm. investors tell me, you know, don't send me any first time entrepreneurs because I don't want to pay for their learning. 
So, you know, yeah. they're the first company they do isn't successful, but, you know, they, then you just go immediately to another one. That doesn't mean you're a bad entrepreneur. It just means that, uh, you know, you need to make better decisions. Maybe you hired the wrong person. Maybe you tried to go too fast. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't do enough experimentation before you, you, you invested all your sales in marketing. You know, and those are things you learn. And um, if you look at the great entrepreneurs, I mean, even even Steve Jobs and I'm breaking the law of Steve Jobs, which is to say, like, you never mention Steve Jobs in any conversation on innovation because it's an impossible bar to try and try and reach. But one of the things is that second time round in Apple, he was much more successful and much better mm. because he learned from the first time. So yeah. people failure in in a company or you know should only be seen as uh, you know a means to go on to the next thing where you're more mm. likely to make better decisions in terms of rate of capital spend hiring people you know mm-hmm. all of the things that make a difference wow thank you thank you very much joe that was a very i liked the the that's a very good uh Bit of fortune telling there, I think. <laughs> no, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be very interesting. Um, deep, well, deep tech, big tech. I'm gonna go and I think I'm gonna go and buy an, uh, an edition of New Scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, remember what I said to you about you know, it's 45 year old people who set up companies. You know, that's the best. I mean, there's a fantastic. Let me just close on this, which is to say. Um, you know, there's a book uh, called about modern elders by this guy, Chuck Connolly, and he, he, he explains in great depth how you have a lot of value as an, you know, an older entrepreneur, mm. uh, you know, and I used to sort of shave my hair. So because uh, my hair is, is gray and, and uh, to try and kind of look younger and hip, but now I let it grow. Like I want to show my gray hair and, <laughs> and like, the more gray hair, because that's a, has become a really good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, you sort of like older people have a lot of value. And even if you go to a company like Facebook, like they, it's not the guys they put forward for interviews, but in a back room somewhere is a bunch of guys who understand how to run high performance technology that they've been doing it for like 40 years or something like that. And you find that in, in, in a lot of companies that experience matters. So, you know, you have to kind of believe in yourself and you have to recognize your skills. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of what I do as an educator, uh, you know, or as a teacher, as a professor, just make people realize the value of what they already know. Like they all come to my classroom to learn about like big tech and all this kind of stuff. And I, what I, I say, no, no, what I'm, going, what I'm going to do over the next 20 sessions is make you appreciate what you already know, make you appreciate and value what you already know. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, and sometimes they feel kind of like shortchanged by that. No, no, I want to learn about like, you know, big data or something like that. And like, no, no, no. Uh, and that's, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, um, we all have a lot of value and that particularly people, more people who are in their 40s, uh, late 40s and early 50s uh, should be starting companies. And, uh, you know, Amancio Ortega was 39, Ray Kroc in McDonald's is 55. Like there's an awful lot of people who have a lot of value uh, still to give. And I suppose you could, you could apply that to, to Spain as well. I mean, you know, the, these younger generations after the the transition to democracy, the, the more modern, what you might call the new Spaniards or the modern Spaniards, are probably getting to their 40s now, 40s, 50s, uh, like Pedro Sanchez. And the other thing was like making them appreciate what they have learned. I mean, as we were saying earlier, Spain's got all this great infrastructure. 
uh, very good uh, scientists, um, engineers. But you know, you know what, you know what there is, Alan. Which is yeah. what's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, try not to tell stories about my wife in public, although she never <laughs> listens to any of the podcasts. <laughs> but it's like I, I, like when she's making food, you know. Like, I, I, you know, she asks me like 40 different questions, you know, about exactly how I would like it, you know, and I'm like, listen, Lara, if you only ask me five questions, this is still going to be the best thing I've ever tasted, you know, but there is that kind of craft, you know, there is that thing about, and she will make like six phone calls, you know, to her mother, to her sister, to her aunt, you know, just like there is, and I, I see this, and I see this with a lot of, of you know, um, like a lot of the kind of the handbags, the Louis Vuitton stuff is all made in the south of Spain by craftsmen and, and craftsmen women who have crafted stuff over generations. So there is this like attention to detail, you know, and, and you don't see this as much in the part of the world that we come from. Uh, you know, it's all like finance and, and aggression. And, you know, yeah. you, I mean, you do see, um, I mean, I know there are places like Sheffield that make like, you know, 90% of the world's figure skating boots are made in Sheffield and, you know, these kinds of, so you, you do see these things, but, um, you know, you see a lot more of it in Spain, which is to say that they are, they, they hone the product and they make like beautiful things. Uh, and of course, Italy is much better at selling those things, uh, but Spain doesn't really have a brand. Um, but I, I notice it a lot in terms of the people that I, I work with, that they are prepared to work over a long period of time on the detail to get something to be the best it can be. And I think that's a really interesting basis on which to build uh, you know, a successful economy, which is to say that you know, this, this is what the world pays for, pays high prices for, for little details. So again, we probably need to value that more. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much, Joe. Okay, it's been a pleasure, Alan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.